New neighbor? Evidently. Significant improvement over the old neighbor. Where he whispered in my ear the words I'll never forget. Which roughly translated meant Heidi Hole neighbor. Oh, he's my next door neighbor. And here's the funny part. He's a hitman too. Ha <laughs> ha. From the Sutton Field Studios in Salina, this is the Road to 1385 podcast. A very good Wednesday evening to you, wherever you may be. I hope you're in Sutton Fields listening. Todd Kaufman alongside good neighbor Matt Oyer, also about to jump on to my left here, about to uh, sit with my daughter Hannah, or Hannah, you can move, sweetheart, if you want. Uh, Brianna Smith is going to step in. You know her by... uh, was it by grace of coffee? Is that what it's called? By the grace of coffee. Grace of coffee. This is, I, I got to tell you, and I, I wasn't going to start here, but I'm going to since Brianna just got here. But there are very few, and I might say maybe none. Matt, you can keep those headphones on there, partner. You don't have to give them up. Um, there are very, very few, if not none, any neighborhoods that I know of that have a coffee maker who actually delivers and who makes better than Starbucks. You want to pass that over to her before? Actually, you know what? Tell you what. Matt, let's let's talk about you for a second before I get to Brianna because I'm going to brag on Brianna here probably more than Matt. If I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, well, by all means. All right. Matt also has a business that's right here in Sutton Fields. I want to give you an opportunity to talk about integrity. And I think the most important thing, Matt, about this neighborhood is not only to give some run to uh, to local businesses, and we're not just talking about Salina. We're talking about right here in the neighborhood with what Brianna does, what you do, and we'll talk about Melissa Coleman a little bit later. We'll talk about Jennifer Romero a little bit later. Um, Daniel Morton has uh, another side of the the coffee business, and and we've got all these guys. Uh, Neil Crin, who's a DJ, we give him some love. But it's right here. You don't have to go into Salina, into Aubrey, into Little Elm, into Frisco to find people who do this. And, and for what you do for Integrity Insurance, I got to tell you, man. I'm really impressed with with the people that are giving you a lot of love as well and saying, "Hey, he really, he really stepped up for us." Yeah, I've I've been really lucky to uh, to be able to work with you know quite a few of our neighbors so far, uh, which I didn't know that I didn't realize it was going to happen that quickly. I, I you know I figured I'd have to get to know people before they'd start uh, talking to me about business wise. At the same time, I haven't really been pushing it in the neighborhood either. So, um, but yeah, it, it's you know it's one of those deals where. The, the the aspect of an independent broker versus like a captive agent like with a state farm or an all-state you know which they're great companies great policies but you know they're a little limited on what they can do whereas a, a true brokerage um, like integrity you know we've got almost 30 different carriers that we can look through um, you know I can run quotes uh, Miss Smith knows <laughs> um, I can run quotes through through several uh, different things that I think would fit well and I can kind of pick and choose and put together a package. So it's, there's tons of options. Whereas, you know, some, some other carriers are kind of limited on what they can, on what they can offer. So, you know, it's nice to be able to have options for, for almost anybody, you know, bad credit, bad driving history, anything, you know, I can usually place just about everybody. Uh, but at the same time, you know, karma to me, karma is a real thing. So the way I do business, if I can't find a good fit, I'm going to tell you because that's the way I would want to be treated. Um, and that's the way I treat other people. And, you know, a lot of times it, it, some of the people that I have t- told that, that, you know, 
right now you're, you're better off where you're at. You know, six months down the road, they're going to tell me again, like, hey, let's look at it again. So it's it's one of those deals. It's establishing trust, and it's nice to be it's nice to be in a neighborhood that that you know several people so early on have trusted me, and and you know I'd love I love doing business around here. Not that I'm going to push it very much, but but I love be, being able to help out neighbors because it does have that little personal touch. Um, so yeah, I've I've been very lucky so far. Have you gotten people in the neighborhood that have? been interested in and in kind of thrown their business your way and say hey we're really looking for insurance and and we don't know it, because a lot of us and brianna i'm sure you know this as well the state farms the others sometimes they've gotten too big and you want a local touch and somebody that you can actually sit at a kitchen table with and not just have a business conversation but you also have a personal relationship with as well and i'm sure jared knows the same thing your, your husband running a, a real estate business and and i remember having a conversation with him and he was so fed up with the the real estate agents, and, and it was it was more about what money I can make. Where he wanted to turn it into a relationship, and I think for for Brianna, for you, and for Matt, for you, that relationship is is an integral ninety nine percent of the business. That that really is important. It's not about how much money I can make off of you. It's the relationship I can build because from there, then you start to grow that business, and it becomes something even more. Right, yeah, and, and that personal touch is kind of what I hang my hat on. Um, you know, every every client I have uh, thus far has my personal cell phone number. You know, and and they take advantage of it. Trust me. Um, you know, I work on the. <laughs> to be I, honest, nodding her head over there, like, yeah. <laughs> I, I work on the weekends. You know, every once in a while. You know, the wife's not a huge fan of that, but but if I can jump on and help somebody, I definitely will. Um, you know, in sales, you never really clock out. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's but that personal touch, you know, especially here in the neighborhood, like I'm. You know, I've got the decals on the truck, but, you know, I, the more and more people I get that I'm able to help in the neighborhood, I'm, I'm just waiting for that time I get stopped in the street, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which happens, hasn't happened yet, but you know what? Knowing me, I'd probably stop and see what I could do. <laughs> Brianna, let's let's talk about yours for a second, because I, I, I have to give you a lot of credit for what you're doing here, because we all know, it, well... I shouldn't say all, I don't drink coffee and I hate the smell. And I think my wife gets a kick out of me making her coffee in the morning because she loves the the look on my face as I'm trying to hold my breath and do the coffee at the same time. And, and it's, it was, and I'll tell you a funny story real quick. And, and she knows how much I hate the smell. We were in San Diego last year and she orders Starbucks on her phone. And the Starbucks was just down the hill from my mom's house, probably five or six minute drive. And she goes, can you go get the Starbucks for me? And just this sinister look of, I know what's about to happen. You, I, that door opens. I'm just like, oh, God. But Jared, was your husband, was telling me he loves the, the smell, and it's a great way to wake up. But what was the idea behind starting that? What is it? Was it idea when you first moved in and went, you know, because Jared has told me it's a real hobby for you, and it's something that you love to do. It's not a full-time job, as you mentioned on Facebook earlier today. But <laughs> when did the idea first begin that this is something you wanted to do? Yeah, so I grew up with just the love of coffee, and it came from my mom. So I started drinking coffee probably at, I don't know, 10, 11, 12 years old, and it was I'm from Seattle, so, I mean, we have coffee for blood up there, you know, so it's more than just a cup <laughs> of coffee best. in the morning. It is, yeah, you know, it's where Starbucks originated, although, you know, no no insult to them, but I would prefer not to drink a Starbucks coffee. But uh, anyway, so just from a young age, I really learned to love coffee, and it wasn't just the drink, but it was the experience. You'd 
hop in the car with mom first thing in the morning, run down the hill to go grab a cup of coffee. So it was bonding time with her. But up in Seattle, it's not just big coffee shops. It's actually small mom and pop shops, you know, drive throughs that you'd go through. So you knew your baristas by first name. They knew you by first name. You exchanged gifts around the holidays with them. So it was definitely a personal relationship. And I have a long history, many, many things I've done, you know, over the years that um, really just allowed me to develop relationships with people. And it just stuck with me all through my life and still to this day. So um, I've always wanted to open my own coffee shop. I was a barista for nine years. It's how I paid my way through college. You know, I started in, gosh, probably my freshman year of high school is when I started working as a barista. So it was always a long-term goal to have my own coffee shop, to be able to have those relationships with people. And, you know, your barista is really the first person you see in the morning. So to be able to be the first person that says good morning, you know, other than their spouse or their kids or something like that, it it sounds super corny and really cliche, but it's it's a nice warm feeling to be able to kind of set the tone for somebody's day. Um, and I can't tell you how many times my mom would pay, you know, four or five dollars for a cup of coffee and take that one sip and then never drink it again. So, you know, because it was not a good quality drink or something like that. So it wasn't just the relationships, but also making sure that I was giving people something that actually tasted good and they enjoyed throughout the day too because like I said I watched my mom waste too much money on coffee she didn't even finish so um yeah I it's just that's kind of the, the short version of the story I guess so uh, you know like uh you asked you know long term you know I'd like I said I'd love to have my own shop and it, of course it wasn't ideal to start making drinks out of my my house and it was really my husband's idea he you know he's like why don't you know until we get to the point where we can actually own and you know a standing business why don't you just post on the neighborhood group and see how many people want to drink coffee and I pushed him off for probably two to three weeks at least I'm like dude you're stupid like nobody's <laughs> gonna buy drinks from you just posting on Facebook and he's like hey you never know so finally I was like you know what let's do it I'm a pretty spontaneous person for the most part so one day I just woke up and I was like all right let's do it so I ordered a bunch of supplies and there it went <laughs> This is the Road to 1385 podcast. Todd Kaufman, Brianna Smith, Matt Oyer alongside. And, and Brianna, it, it, this took off like a house of fire. This wasn't, <laughs> yeah. this wasn't a, a, you know, it didn't take a week. It didn't take a month. It didn't take six months. This was, a, it caught and it just took off. And, and it's something that Jared told me, and, and I, I applaud you for doing this because he said we're, we're getting requests outside of the neighborhood and and we want to stay local we want to stay inside the neighborhood which i really applaud because you could take it outside of the neighborhood and start to grow it that way but i think your heart is to to keep it here to say you know what this is something we started here we want to keep it here it is yeah and you know when jared and i moved out here um you know obviously one probably for many people in this neighborhood we moved out here for school district you know our our daughter we have a a one-year-old daughter yeah Yeah. so um you know people kind of shook their head at us when we said oh we moved for the schools you know your daughter's only a year old and at that time she wasn't even one and and we're like, yeah, but you in five years from now when she has to start school, there's no way we'll be able to afford that school district. So yeah. let's get in now while houses are affordable and then we'll just be, you know, sitting pretty in a few years. But um, anyway, so, you know, obviously that was the, ma- the main, you know, reason we moved out to this neighborhood was for the schools. But um, we're both small town people, even though I'm, I'm from Seattle, I'm from the suburbs. So, you know, tight knit communities, people that know each other. Um, you know, we really wanted to be in a neighborhood, you know, where we could send our kid out to go play at the playground, you know, to have the childhood that we had growing up to where, you know, parents didn't have to be over their shoulders to make sure that they were safe or something like that, um, you know, in today's world. So uh, coming into this neighborhood, I think we've definitely seen that. Everybody's been spectacular, you know, spectacular throughout the entire thing. So, um, you know, one with the support of this. But, uh, yeah, I've had plenty of people 
messaging me and and texting me about you know doing events and hey is it easy for you to pack up your supplies and you know come out to a karate tournament or come out to do this and I'm like yeah I mean it is but at the same time that also takes away from the people in my neighborhood too if I just pick up and go one morning and those you know those are my my heart those are my my customers my, my loyal people. ones yeah so my people. what am I so you know I got a vacation coming up too uh, next week so <laughs> shout out to my loyal customers uh, I got about a week I won't be able to make your drinks sorry about that <laughs> but anyways yeah so that's kind of just that's it Let's talk about the, and I, I want to move away from the, the businesses real quick. And actually, tell you what, we're going to do something real quick. We're going to step aside, play a couple of spots for local businesses, give these guys some love. Like I talked about, Jennifer Romero, Danielle Morton, uh, Melissa Coleman with the wreath, with, which I think are, are incredibly made and look, uh, look great I for the holidays. I those today for the first time. Man, I need to get one of those. <laughs> I know. It's, and it's getting close to Christmas. It's insane. We're going to step aside real quick. This is the Road to 1385 podcast. Todd Coffin, Brianna Smith, Matt Oyer. We'll be back in just a second. Do you have an event coming up, a birthday, a bar mitzvah, a wedding? You're looking for a DJ. You're not sure that you can find one that you trust. How about I give you one right here in our neighborhood? Neil Crin, good friend of mine. Again, lives right here in Sutton Fields. You can contact him at 732-996-0208 or reach out to him on email, djneiltx at gmail.com. Have that relationship down the line. Have someone in the neighborhood that you can trust, knowing that you can go to him time and time again, that he's going to play the music you like. He has a professional setup, the speakers, the whole nine yards. He'll give you a great event. DJ Neil, Neil Crin, DJ N-E-I-L-T-X at gmail.com or reach out to him at 732-996-0208. Sutton Fields, the holiday season is almost upon us, which means Halloween. It means Thanksgiving. And then we get into Christmas. Oh, that great time of the year that everybody looks forward to, especially our kids because they get presents, especially our kids who get presents and then four days later gets presents because it's their birthday. Oh, but I digress. What is the one thing that always completes the holiday look? Not the Christmas lights, but that thing on the door that welcomes people inside your home and then into that welcome, inviting smell of Christmas. It's that wreath that hangs on your door. And right here in Sutton Fields, Melissa Coleman makes custom wreaths just for you and just for your home isn't that something that you want to complete that look this holiday season support a local business pampered doors look for that on facebook 469-534-6249 pampered doors contact her at melissa at pamperedoors.com get your custom wreath today welcome back to road to 1385 podcast what a beautiful wednesday night here in sutton fields and in something that you know, when I started the podcast, and Brianna, to your point, and, and Matt, so you guys know, and I don't know how much you've listened to the last two, but when I I used to do a podcast that was all centered on sports, and Brianna and Matt, I, I'm sure being sports-centered, and you grew up as athletes, and, and of course, Brianna, you being the, the wife of a former athlete, and you kind of understand the the stigma or the, the personalities that come with it, and the fans that come with it, and the, the ideology that comes with it. And when I first started down this road, it was kind of a dream for me to be in the media world. I wanted to be in sports radio. That was my dream. But the more I learned about it, the more I thought, you know what, that really isn't a world that I want to be in. I want to and when we moved here, I had the passion to talk about something that was real, to talk about families, to talk about faith, to talk about parenting, to talk about you know stuff that goes on in today's age, to talk about the neighborhood, the incredible stuff that's going on here in a neighborhood really that's unheard of in today's age. And so when I kicked this podcast off, I didn't realize that so many people 
listen and, and understand what we're talking about and go, you know, what? I deal with that on an everyday basis. And this is what I want to listen to. You can listen to anything on the radio, but pick us up, listen to our conversations. We'll sit on the front porch. And I've, I've told anybody, you can come sit and have conversations with us and we'll do it off the air. We'll talk about faith. We'll talk about parenting. We'll talk about something that's real. But, you know, something, you know, Matt, you and I talked about a little bit uh, the week leading up to this was the parenting in a an electronic age or, or kids consistently with cell phones and consistently with their head down. And I remember a comedian kind of making fun of it some years back saying, put the phone down and have a conversation. And it was something when we grew up, it was a kitchen table. It was, there was, but I, I guess to, I don't know if it was a credit or detriment. We didn't have phones growing up. And, and granted, today is a different age and we can say it's a lot easier age than what we grew up in. But maybe some would say it's harder than what we grew up in. Yeah, you know, I, I guess I, I was right on the cusp there. I, you know, I, I grew up, quote unquote, with cell phones, but they were the the brick phones. <laughs> you know. Yeah, so, I uh, remember. Snake took up a lot of my day. You know. <laughs> See, I think we <laughs> yeah, all did. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it, it. I guess you know, it's it's one of those deals where I've this is all new to me. I've uh, this is my first child. Um, she's she's nine, going on sixteen. Um, and we ended up having to give her a cell phone just for, for medical reasons. So she has one available if she needs it to, for information purposes. And it has just taken off from there. You know, you can't get out the, the screen restrictions are amazing. Um, but still, you know, you walk in and, and she's watching YouTube about a kid reviewing a toy, <laughs> you know, and it's like, what are you, what are you doing with your time? You know? And, yeah. um, it's, the, the, the family dinner was huge when I was growing up. You know, it didn't matter if we were just having sandwiches and chips. Like, we sat around the table every single night, and we talked about our day. Um, you know, that was a chance to really kind of get other perspectives on what happened and things like that. And, and it's, it's, it's finally, we finally got a, a dining room table uh, about a month ago. And so we've been able to do that in, in my first home, which was, is amazing in itself. I mean, just that being able to say that's awesome. Um, you know, and I'm so glad to have that. And, and, you know, and even Maddie, there's times where we're, you know, she'll, Hey, let's, let's go watch a movie or something while we eat in the living room. And Maddie's like, no, let's go, let's sit at the table. Like, let's, let's do this right. You know, yeah. it, it, which is, I think is really cool. Um, it's, but you know, how do you limit it? Cause I mean, at the same time, this, this generation is, is going to grow up relying on it. I mean, a large part of the workforce I think is going to be technology based. So, at some point, you know, where do you drive that, draw that line of actually doing them a disservice by not letting them develop into that and learn the different platforms and things like that? Because, you know, with, with the coffee, the insurance is a lot of the same way. Like we, I can drive so a lot of business from social media and I hate social media. Like I, before I got into sales, like social media was a place for my grandma to see pictures of, you know, my little girl and stuff like that. But that was it. I didn't post. I didn't, um, but the, the power of social media is, is real and, and it's going to be such a huge part of our kids' lives and it's already a big part of ours. Um, but there's a fine line trying to like, you know, figure out, okay, how much is too much? You know, do I kick them out in the yard to go play? You know, how do you? <laughs> well, and, and I think the, the thing that I struggled with so much doing the, the sports media stuff was you write an article and it's not necessarily, it doesn't reach a conversation. It reaches a full out, for blood type of debate and it's 
you know, and, you know, Brianna, I don't want to mention where Jared played football because I don't know how private that is or if he's public about it. But, yeah, well, I mean, it, he is it okay to say professional or former professional athlete? Is that okay? Okay. So, but, and I'm sure that he's seen it, but to me, social media has become a react first or a shoot first, ask questions later. Whether it's politics, whether it's sports, whether it's religion, that's what it's become. Because now we have a keyboard where we don't have to sit face-to-face with somebody and have a conversation. You know, we don't have to apologize to somebody because we're going to fire it off on a keyboard with an anonymous picture on it that's not even us. And we don't have to, to take blame for it or responsibility. Yeah, so I'll touch kind of on that a little bit, uh, even personal experience. So definitely, you know, I know it from my husband and his experiences. And, you know, you never know what somebody's going to ask you, you know, in a face-to-face interview. And you talk about social media and people behind a monitor. And it's really easy to sit down and take five minutes, ten minutes to think about what you're going to say before you say it to where if you're face-to-face with somebody having a conversation or a one-on-one interview with somebody, these kids don't have that interaction or that training, if you will. Um, So, you know, Jared saw a lot of it, and it's something that, you know, we really plan to work really hard with my daughter. So, And something a lot of people don't know about me, but I'm actually a a former pageant queen. Um, So I was a state title holder for Washington. I was Miss Washington in 2014. Uh, I was fourth uh, runner-up at an international competition. So through pageantry, it's there's a lot of cliche things with it and a lot of negative things that come along with it so you got to really have tough skin but at the same time the life skills that that type of experience taught me um, and kind of old school practice if you will to be able to you know be face to face with people is something that kids nowadays lack because of all this social media and all of these electronics and all of that kind of stuff so but uh, all three of us are parents and Brianna I'll ask you first and I'll, and I'll get to Matt is it fair to ask our kids to have thick skin we want them to be athletes, but is that a, a fair thing to even ask them to have? Uh, fair? That's tough. I mean, you could ask 10 different people and get a different de- different definition of what's fair, right? So, you know, you take how we grow up and how our parents grew up, and I think that's really where you get your answer is just a difference in all of our upbringings and try and find a happy medium. Um, you know, I, I think uh, competition between these kids and, and, you know, teaching them not to have tough skin, but at the same time just – to create their belief system, right? So that they can accept constructive criticism, if you will, no matter what their, no matter what the topic is, if it's a sport that they participate in or a school club or um, anything like that, um, to be able to take it um, as coaching and help as opposed to having to develop thick skin or think that somebody may be just throwing an insult your way or something like that. I don't know. I think there's a difference between a lot of it, and I think it's just um, there's too many gray areas and fine lines with parenting and kids nowadays. It, it makes it really hard. Is it harder these days, Matt, to be a parent, or was it easier for our parents to do it with us? I, I, I guess you can – and it's the same conversation I think we just had with the electronics and, and the, the dinner at the dinner table, and we didn't have the electronics when we were growing up. But just because it's different doesn't mean it's any easier or harder to do it this day and age for us to be parents. You know, I've talked to uh, – Hold that closer. That, uh, you, and, and, uh-huh. I, and I'll apologize now. If it sounds like we're passing the mic back and forth – we are a little bit. I don't know where my third mic went, so I apologize. We're, you're hearing back and forth. That's kind of what we're doing. Um, I, you know, if you ask my parents, they would straight up say it was easier when they were when they were raising me. Um, you know, it's a different age, but there is an element of you know, it's not necessarily easier or harder. Like you said, it, it's just different. You know, every generation deals with different things. I mean, the the greatest generation, the the baby boomers, you know, the Gen X, millennials. I mean, every 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 generation has to, has a certain amount of 
development in our society that they have to kind of navigate through. Um, you know, like I said, Dad has always said it's it was a lot easier, and he's he's been instrumental for for me kind of navigating through um, you know what we are as well. Um, but he does have a little bit of sympathy at times, <laughs> you yeah. know, because of course he, you know he's he's the rock we all stand on. So, we're, it, and I I know Brianna, your your daughter's just over a year old, right? I, I, Hannah, uh, my daughter is almost five. Isaiah is almost two, and you know, I don't know what conversations that we are supposed to have and when because it seems like this day and age those conversations are happening in school. We don't even get the opportunity to have those conversations. And I don't honestly think that there's a correct answer for that because right now I think one of the biggest issues in parenting or just in anything with life is there are way too many opinions, right? Everybody has an opinion on what's right, what's wrong, when is the right time to do it, how do you say it correctly? And I think the appropriate answer to that is do what's best for you. Nobody knows what's best within the walls of your own home for your own kids, for your own family, except for you. So, um, you know, at, at the same time, it's okay to seek opinions and advice from you know, outside parties, uh, whether it's grandparents, aunts, uncles, anything like that. But then at the end of the day, you also kind of have to be able to make those decisions for yourself and let all of the other opinions go, kick them out the door, you know? Yeah. And Brianna's a hundred percent right. Again, this is the road to 1385 podcast, Todd Kaufman, Brianna Smith, Matt Oyer alongside and Matt with, with your daughter being the oldest of, of the kids that we're raising, what are the conversations now that you're having to have with her at her age? Well, that's what I was just about to say. Like, you know, the, some of the eye-opening conversations that we've had recently um, and to go on to the uh, – about how do you how do you have that conversation with them. I, I think one of the best ways that I've found and, and Maddie has responded the best to is just education. Like, let's sit down and talk about it, you know. Um, you know, for instance, six months ago or so, like, Maddie came home one day – from um, play date or something, uh, and and she straight up was like, "I hate our president." You know, she has no idea. <laughs> What's his name? I have no idea. Well, yeah, and has his no hair idea looks about, amazing though. I don't know if she's ever had a <laughs> conversation about politics, anything like that. But she develops that opinion mm-hmm. from outside sources that you know who knows where they got it from. Um, one of the conversations that stuck out to me recently and, and probably will for a long time was with the, the Amber Geiger trial. Um, a lot of, you know, I, I, I got obsessed with that trial. I was like streaming it the majority of the time. Like I was, you know, I was into it way more than I rightfully should have been. But a lot of that time when Maddie was home, she gets home about 3 PM. You know, if I had it on, you know, sometimes she'd sit there and watch part of it with me and kind of explain, you know, this is this section or whatever and this and that. And, you know, once the verdict went, you know, and the uh, Botham's attorneys were out and they were talking, you know, civil rights, they were bringing up all these different things that Maddie has never even heard before, you know, and, um, and she straight, she just looked at me, she said, why are they so upset? And, you know, one, that breaks your heart for them to even have that thought at nine years old. But when things like that happen and, and I see an opportunity to really sit down and just kind of talk things through with her, um, everything else stops, you know, the TV comes off, we get, and and my wife does the same thing, we get at eye level with her, and we talk to her person to person, you know, this is, this is what's happening, this is kind of what this, some people feel this way, some people feel this way, you know, who's right or wrong, we don't know, 
but it's up to each each person to, to kind of decide that. And the, the, the coolest thing with that whole thing was at the very end when they did the victim impact panel and, and Botham's brother got up there. Oh my gosh, I you know, I straight up cried in front of my nine year old. Like but but she was there to see that. She was sitting on the couch next to me. And sure enough, she turned around, she's like, What 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 happened? Like, who is that? You know, and I was able to kinda explain that whole situation and the strength that he had there and for her to see something like that at such an impressionable age i think is amazing i was very very lucky to have have you know both me and her there at the same time i think for brianna you and i you know our kids are a little too young to start having any sort of meaningful conversation and i think for our daughter it's been more faith-based and being in church and 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 knowing about Jesus, my wife posted uh, a long thing about what happened when she went to bed last night, and she's told us on numerous occasions, you know, and for those that haven't seen it or didn't see it, uh, we were in bed putting Hannah to bed for the night last night, and, and she starts to tell Carrie and I that she can see Jesus, and, and Carrie's asking her where, where he is, and he's up over the bed, and my wife starts to raise her hand, and Hannah all of a sudden goes, he's touching your hand right now. And it's such a, a an innocent age, but I think that, you start to wonder, and I have, I've worried about Hannah with her spirit. She's got such a sensitive spirit and she's such a soft kid that I worry about when she goes off to school, if that spirit gets ruined or if it gets ruined easily, I guess I might say. Yeah, I think that kind of goes back to, you know, a little bit about what I touched on before. It comes down to your, you know, your personal beliefs and your personal strengths, honestly, within yourself and what you've established in your household, whether it be with your parents, your siblings, or, you know, anything, whether it's, you know, faith-based or whether it's um, just um, a work ethic or something that your parents taught you through sports or, or anything, really, you just have to have that strong core. Let's, let's compare it to marriage, right? You got to have that, that strong foundation. And, um, for our kids, that's honestly what it needs. And at this age, you know, for you, me, obviously way younger than what Hannah is, but, um, it's that foundation that we're giving them to be able to stand firmly on when they go out into the world, you know, so that they can go to school. And if some kid at school says something mean to them, they can come home and still have a smile on their face because that foundation was strong enough that it didn't affect them. So, um, and on, on top of that, you know, the, one of the things that we've, we've really tried to, to push home with Maddie was that, you know, people can have their opinions and yeah, it has no effect on you whatsoever, but it's okay if they have those opinions, you know, let them think that if, they, if that's the way they feel, that's the way they want Like let them do that. That's fine. But it still has nothing to do with you. You still come home feeling the way you did before you left. There's nothing anybody else has said has really changed that. If any, if, if anybody is, has the ability to change how you feel and how you believe it's because you made the decision to make that change. Um, uh, but it, it's also, it's okay for other people to have different opinions. I think that's one of the, the problems that society has now is like, we're not okay with people having other opinions. What I want to do is step aside real quick. We're going to get a couple more ads played here for some local businesses. On the other side, Brianna touched on something I think that is really important and especially in this day and age and that's marriage and, and how we handle it in this society. Because again, we've talked about opinions. We've talked about faith. We've talked about people kind of sticking their nose into business that it doesn't belong and trying to to end my dad's been guilty of that. I've had to tell him there's a line that you don't cross. And when you step over, you're going to get backed up. So on the other side of the break, we're going to talk about marriage and then we're going to end the show talking about the neighborhood and kind of what we enjoy about it, why we moved here and what we've enjoyed the, the months that we've been here on the other side of the break. We'll do that. This is the road to 1385 podcast on the Sutton Fields radio network. Sutton Fields. We are just a few days away from Halloween, watching our kids dress up in great costumes, having a blast with the rest of the neighborhood, going to, 
door to door to do trick or treat to get chocolate the rest of us are going to eat. But I've got the perfect gift for you as we get into Thanksgiving and Christmas. Ladies, will you try some custom nails as we get into the holiday season, something festive, and I've got the place for you to find that. Color Street Nail Strips, done right here by Jenny Hargis in Sutton Fields. You can get with her. Contact her, Jenny Hargis, the number one at gmail.com, J-E-N-N-Y-H-A-R-G-I-S, the number one at gmail.com. She does giveaways, free samples. You can try it before you buy it. These are nail polish strips, 100% actual nail polish. They go on with no tools, maybe a file. There is zero dry time, and they are super inexpensive. Go to the Facebook group. It's called Nailed It With Jen. All one, all one word, Nailed It With Jen. All one word, the Facebook group. Color Street Nail Strips. Find them right here in Suttonfield. Do something festive this holiday season, and there's an incentive. If you ladies buy at least up to six, the next podcast we are going to do, we'll go Facebook Live, and Jen will put them on me. There's your incentive to torture me. So do it. This holiday season, there's your incentive. Have fun with it. Color Street Nail Strips. Nailed it. Welcome back to the Road to 1385 podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for being alongside Todd Kaufman, Brianna Smith, Matt Oyer on a beautiful Wednesday night. A little bit chilly, but it is finally fall, as people say, but I already miss summer. I'm sorry, Melissa. I know you're going to listen to this and put a thumbs down, but that's fine. You, you'll get over it. <laughs> what I, I do want to talk about, we touched a little bit on on kids, and, and Brianna, you brought up marriage, and, and I, I think this is such an important topic in this day and age, and not necessarily, or I shouldn't say not necessarily, but with, with faith and with people kind of sticking their nose into your marriage, whether it be in-laws, whether it be your own parents, whether it be friends, whether it be relatives, whether it be siblings, whoever it is. But in, in this day and age, what my wife and I do, I think, so well, and what I didn't realize when, and this is my second marriage, and thank God I have found my best friend, and we've been married almost 10 years next year. But to be able to have someone that you can have that life with, to be a best friend and say, this is there is a line that you don't cross. This is our marriage and not yours. You do it your way, but stay out of ours. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, I think it's a hard thing for anybody really to get a full understanding of, uh, you know, of what, what does that truly mean? Because we all care about what our parents think. We all care about what our siblings think, um, our best friends, of course, but there comes, like you said, a fine line. And I think what it, it boils down to for us, at least I'll, I'll speak just personal experiences is just overall communication and, and a total understanding of no matter what happens during any given day that at the end of the day, you know, I may not like you when I go to bed that night, but the next morning I wake up knowing that I am fully committed, that we are fully committed, that no matter what comes our way, um, you know, we're going to face it together, even though we're going to face it differently because everybody deals with, you know, different things um, in different ways. And um, I can use personal experience, you know, to, to touch on this. Uh, a lot of people know about this, uh, but before my daughter, uh, Jared and I actually lost three babies, unfortunately, and ended up having to do IVF to get our daughter. And although we didn't share that story while we were going through it with other people, you know, or people other than immediate family, once it was all said and done and we were kind of in calm water, if you will, you know, and expecting our daughter, it was really important to me to share that with people because I think that's where a lot of people go wrong is feeling that they have to deal with things and hiding. And, and that's one of the main times that we should be turning to our spouse um, for the support um, and even allowing them the option to learn how to help you go through that process. And um, that's a very important thing in marriage is to know that you're going to continue learning how to deal with that person that you've committed everything to because they're not going to be the same person for the rest of their life. You're not going to be the same person for the rest of your life. So 
to have the open understanding and know that you guys are going to continue to grow together and it's going to be easy. It's going to be hard. It's going to be worth it. It's going to be all of those things is um, a big thing that I think a lot of people take too lightly maybe. And I think all three of us, and I know Matt, you and your wife, and I, I certainly don't want to get into it to wade into waters you don't, you don't mean to, to wade into, but the story that you guys have and what you guys are walking through, I think is, you know, and, and Carrie and I have been through the, the same thing with a miscarriage, certainly not three, and I can't imagine what, you know, going through that and then going through IVF and, and, you know, by the grace of God, by the grace of coffee, you know, your daughter's here and she's a beautiful little girl, and but you know, walking through that, I think is, is so incredibly difficult from a husband's perspective. There is nothing that you can say to your wife that's going to make it any better. And, and I don't know what you've walked through, Matt, but I know what your daughter's walking through. And I, I can't, that's another thing that I can't imagine being in your shoes and how you guys walk that out as a marriage every day. Well, you know, someone told me when she was first diagnosed, by the way, you know, my, my daughter was diagnosed with type one diabetes um, last year. She's about to hit her one-year anniversary, actually. So somebody did tell me, though, early on when I was still inconsolable <laughs> um, that, you know, it does get easier. And, and, and you're going to – surprisingly, you're going to rely on your daughter more than you ever thought you could. Um, Maddie's, like, she's gone through this and a total rock star. Like, for a girl that would tear up at the word – at the saying of the word needle prior – like she gives herself three to four shots a day now. Like she's able to do that on her own. Um, what she's able to to handle and and what she's how she's grown throughout this whole experience is, has been the rock that that Paul and I really have like relied on. Um, and you know it gets into a routine. It gets it, it does get a little easier as far as the day to day. But there's still some some overall realities that you got to kind of accept that, you know, this is something you're going to deal with you know, the rest of her life. You know, we, uh, we're lucky to have really good insurance, you know, but we still got a deductible <laughs> like a lot yeah. of people do. So there's that realization. Okay. Well, every year from January till probably April, we're going to be strapped, you know, to start off because we're paying everything out of pocket, you know, and uh, to anybody that doesn't, no, like the diabetic supplies are not cheap, you know, so insulin is not cheap. Um, but, but you, you make it work, you, you do what you got to do. And, and as, as strong as Maddie is and how she deals with it with a smile on her face every day, uh, makes it a, a whole lot easier for, for you to deal with it. So know? take me back to the diagnosis, Matt, and, and you're talking about, you know, she's about to hit her one year anniversary. Take me back to that that initial diagnosis and how you and Paula walk through that because it's, yes, it's your daughter, but you also have to face it. The, the stress that comes with it, the worry that comes with it. And you guys have to walk this out together. Take me back to that and, and talk to me about how that's been and how you guys have dealt with that, not just with her, but together. Well, you know, I'm, I'm lucky to be in the situation I am with Paula. Um, Maddie is with a, a previous marriage of mine as well. And me and Paula are, I guess, we just hit our one year anniversary. Uh, we had a lot happen a year ago, uh, but we just hit our one year anniversary as well. So she's she's somewhat new to the game. She's been around for a few years. Uh, me and Paula actually met in sixth grade, and and you know she said no to me then, but she I finally got her. <laughs> you know when we were like twenty eight, twenty nine. So, um, but I'm lucky that the, the, the dyna dynamic has worked out the way it has, um, because Paula can give me a true outside unbiased opinion. You know, and every day it becomes less and less unbiased because we grow 
closer, the three of us. Um, but you know, if, if I'm upset about something, if, if, if I don't understand something, you know, she can have that almost third party opinion about it that kind of sets me back on my, on my lane, but she still has the, the empathy and the, the, the love for Maddie that, that any mom would, you know, she's, she's an amazing stepmother. Um, so kind of keeping me straight, you know, and, and I think having that, that outside thought process to it has really helped, um, to kind of keep me in line, which is, you know, the, the, the most important thing back to the diagnosis, you know, one of the, one of the overwhelming things that I struggled with and how am I going to do this? How, how am I going to, as you know, I'm outside of the ER, um, just, you know, inconsolable, <laughs> you know, just mad at the world, mad at God, mad at everything. Um, one of the realizations was like, how am I going to stay strong in front of Maddie every day? You know, um, you gain, you gain strength from the people that are around you. Um, and, uh, and I'll piggyback off that, uh, you know, one of the most important things to me, and I don't know where you guys are, but my family's in Southern California. You know, we're walking through probably one of the hardest parts of our lives. My mom was diagnosed with uh, stage four ovarian cancer back in uh, February or March, I think it was. And she's gone through chemo and she's gone through a surgery that I was back home in San Diego for a few months ago. And then, you know, our daughter's complaining of headaches and they want to do an MRI and you're worried about what they could find on that. So you have everyday stresses that you're dealing with but you still have to deal with it together because you start to walk things, you know, my detriment is I bury a lot of what I go through because, you know, especially with the, you know, the miscarriage that we had, um, I think it was sometime last year before Isaiah, or actually almost more than a couple years now because Isaiah is almost two. But then to have that, and I tend to bury it because of everything that Carrie is going through and the kids and, and the job, and you have to come home and, le- and what I say is leave it at the door. And the, the people that I work with, God bless them, you know, they want to ask how she's doing, but I've told them from the initial diagnosis, when we're in this building, don't ask me about it. We got a job to do. You know, I, I leave it at the door every single day, and that's you say, get mad at God. And that, I can't tell you how many times I've had to do that. It just actually happened the other day, just having that loud, angry conversation. But the thing he consistently reminds me of is I watched my son die on a cross. Nothing you're going to bring me is harder than that, I promise. So that's kind of how I deal with that part. But, you know, for, to lose one, to, um, to having diabetes, to walking through, three miscarriages that I, I couldn't even imagine that. But from a wife's perspective, Brianna, you know, for husbands who haven't been through that, or maybe somebody that's going through that right now, what is, what is your, your take on a, on a husband to, to help out? Because I, I don't think there's any more helpless feeling than a husband that's going, I, I want to do something, but I, there, there are no words, right. To, to help it pass. There's not. And I wish I had, an actual answer for anybody for that situation. Um, and you know, being very open with our experience and our journey, um, I've had to help and coach people through this experience many times now. Um, but there is nothing you can say. There is nothing you can do. There's no gift you can give. There's no, there is no nothing. So I know that is not an answer that doesn't help at all, but, 
Um, reaching out and letting them know, hey, I'm here if you need me and leaving it at that, honestly, is probably the best thing you can do. Or if you have that personal of a relationship with somebody for me what what would have been best and all my family and friends are are out of state um thank god my sister and and my brother-in-law finally moved here so we have them but otherwise everyone's out of state for us so um we went through it alone one of them um i went through actually while jared was at training camp um so i was by myself and it was our first pregnancy so it was probably the hardest none of them are easy but that was probably the hardest to go through um you know so my mom's on a flight to come down here so that i'm not by myself but um so to go back to that there's no there there's no correct answer to that. Um, depending on your relationship for me personally, it would have been one of my best friends just coming over, bringing the biggest tub of my favorite flavor of ice cream and just sitting on the couch next to me and being silent. Um, so that if I wanted to talk, they were there. Or if I wanted to anything, they were there, but there's no right answer to that. The hardest part for me is, you know, I mentioned my family being in California. I don't have family out here. I don't, you know, I don't have family support. And we'll talk about this here in a little bit as we get into the neighborhood part of it. But this is my family here. These are the people that I'm going to trust my kids with as they grow up, whether that's Brianna, whether it's Matt, whether it's, you know, some of the people that live around here. And I'm not going to start throwing out names because I'm going to forget somebody and they're going to get mad. So (laughs) no shout outs. Yeah, no. Yeah, no shout outs. But this is this is why. And again, I don't want to get into the neighborhood too quickly, but this is the reason that we moved here. And it's been an absolute godsend. And, And They've been in some amazing people that are kids that are going to be able to grow up with. But I, I'm curious, Brianna, how you asked Jared to walk through three miscarriages. You, you go through one, you go through two, you go through three. Now you're going through, you know, the IVF process before your daughter was born. I, I can't imagine a more helpless three times and into a fourth that he's having to walk through with you. Completely. And I couldn't even begin to try and put myself in his shoes or any other husband's shoes in that situation because like I already said, there is nothing you can say or do. So to be in that position to feel completely helpless and know that there's nothing that you can do to help them and that you're going to deal with your emotions differently than they are. Um, I'd be lying if I said that we never fought over it, right? Because when you're dealing with those sensitive emotions and your spouse is dealing with those sensitive emotions and you both deal with them in different ways, you're bound to butt heads. And so you throw what you're already dealing with and going through on top of fighting and butting heads with your spouse who should be the person to be able to be there to help you through it. But it's just an impossible request. Um, It is not easy. And if anything is going to test somebody's relationship and foundation and a marriage or just anything, it's something like that, unfortunately. Um, So at least at this point, we know very early on that, hey, we can make it through anything um, because we already have, you know. Um, And those are the true, the true testaments, I guess, if you want to, you know, bring up marriage again and stuff. It's, It's going through those hardships. And at the end of it, looking back and saying, we made it through that. Like, holy moly, we made it through that. Because a lot of people probably wouldn't, to be honest. Um, So yeah, husbands, spouses, anybody that's listening, if you're going through that type of a situation, um, or if you know somebody that is, uh, you know, be there. But there, there's not much you can do other than just being there. And I, I, I hate to, to throw your name out like this, Brianna, but I think with your testimony, I, I think with someone who is going through this, I think it's great to have someone that has walked through this and go, I have, I have been in your shoes. I have walked through this. This is, this is hard, but I've been through this. And to have somebody that walks side by side with you. And I, I think from, and Matt, I'll get to you here in a second, but I think, you know, from a guy's perspective to have other guys to walk through some of the stuff that we go through as husbands, 
it's extremely important too. But to to have someone in the neighborhood to go, I'm here. I'll walk this. I'll walk this out with you. I know this is hard, but I've been in your shoes. Yeah, and I actually completely agree. And I kind of want to touch on that too. And I, I don't know why I didn't think about it. You know, in talking previously, to be honest. But we talked about earlier how in marriage we need to be able to go through things with our spouses because that's our partner. That we talked about the fine line of nobody coming into our boundary, but. This is an exception to the rule, in my truthful opinion, having going through it, um, because our husbands can't know what we are going through as women in that type of situation. So to me, the easiest thing was finding another woman who has experienced what I was experiencing and having them be my backbone and my my person to fall on, honestly. And I would have recommended the exact same thing to my husband or to any other husband that's going through it. it find another husband that's gone through it or another boyfriend or spouse or, or significant other or whatever um, that's gone through it. You turn to them and let your wife turn to a female that's gone through what she's going through and what she's feeling because there's just no physical way that a woman and a man can process that specific thing in the same way and, and have a true understanding of what the other one's feeling. And I think, Matt, from a husband's perspective, uh, you know, what's so important to me and the, the guys, it, my dad, you know, bless his heart, and, you know, he's always telling me, I don't know how you're such a better father than I ever was. I don't know how you're such a better husband than I – and I, my response to him is always this. I'm not. It's the guys that I run with that make me that way. And I jokingly follow it up with, because I know any of these guys will kick my ass if I don't, but it's a funny way of me saying it's accountability. It's saying if you screw up, we're not going to jump down your throat, but we are going to hold you accountable and we expect certain things out of you. We expect you to be a certain kind of a husband, a certain kind of a father. But that's what makes me a better man is the guys that I run with because of their faith, because of the kind of men they are, because of the kind of husbands they are. And I think that's incredibly important. Yeah, um, you know, and I kind of similarly, you know, I think my dad has actually said that to me as well, um, you know, about being a better father. And I'd look at him like, you're crazy. Like, that's the most asinine thing I've heard in a while. Um, but everything that is allowing him to form that opinion, I got from him. I mean, you know, I... I was a, I was an only child, and and I only and I have one I have <laughs> so one was I. <laughs> I have one first cousin, and he's about twenty years older than me, and lived about a thousand miles away. So like I was it growing up. Yeah. I mean I like my last name dies with me if I don't have a, a boy. So I, you know I, I hung out with adults. <laughs> I hung out with Bri- adults. I think a Brianna lot, would you know? just told you get on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Paula, Paula's in agreement. Trust me, uh, but. You know, I, I I I had to mature quickly. I, I had to I hung around with adults all the time. You yeah. Know? Yep. Um, but so the the character traits that I think I have now are, are largely stem from that, and and majority of them do stem from my father. Um, me and him go back and forth. You know, like I I was telling you, know, if I'm half the father you were, like I've done a good job. You know, and it's just kind of back and forth from there. But. Um, Either way, I think to an extent we're but we're kind of we're both kind of lucky that that we're, we're we were able to live so close. There is a something I'm going to ask you guys to give advice to, and I think this is incredibly important because there are certain couples here that are just getting married, that are maybe newly married. I know there's a couple just diagonal over here that's coming up on their wedding day. So, from a husband's perspective, Matt, and I'll move it to Brianna from the wife's perspective. Advice for 
a husband in five years and advice for a husband in 10 years? Um, get to the point where like you're with someone that you know, like w- with Paula, I, I know that no matter how bad it gets, like we're going to be okay tomorrow. Like it, no matter the knockdown drag outs we have, like it's going to be fine tomorrow. Like it doesn't matter how bad it gets because it doesn't change how I feel. It doesn't change the ring on my finger. It doesn't change how, it, you know, overall, I think if you can get to that point, like where both of you guys are in 100% agreement on that, it takes a lot of stress off of, you know, a lot of other things, including, you know, unfortunately couples fight, you know, but, um, we're not quite there yet. You know, we're, we're both, we're both working on that. We're the thing with Paula is like, we're both very, very strong. She's the, the strongest willed person I've ever, you know, been around for an extended period of time. It's one of the things I love about her. Cause she's, she'll put me in my place real quick. Um, but she, we handle things differently. We handle stress differently. Like, you know, she, she prefers to kind of, you know, disappear for a little while, deal with it. And then, you know, she'll come back. No joke. I've seen it. It's, it's an odd phenomenon she'll come back two hours later and like nothing happened and that's just kind of how she handles things you know and and me i'm very upfront i want to talk about it i want to fix it let's let's handle this right now because i'm tired of dealing with it and i don't want it to go on so having having the wherewithal and the understanding that you've got to figure out how to compromise in that and there are five words that you just said that every wife hates for a guy to say i want to fix it yeah, absolutely. And there's you know, there's nothing. And Carrie will tell me the same thing. I don't want you to fix it, but guys want to fix it. That's, well, and that's that part is of. Some, and Brianna, you're laughing, and you know that I'm right about that. Yeah, that's that's part of our 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 makeup as being a man. Like we want to be able to fix things. We you know we we're you know not necessarily that that it's the same way as you know my grandparents, but like my both my grandfathers, like they fixed everything. <laughs> you know that's just kind of how it was. Um, so I think that's ingrained in us to where that's our initial reaction is like, if something's broke, we want to fix it, whether it's a toilet or, you know, a, <laughs> a scratch on the knee or, you know, something like we have that, that initial need to, to handle it and make things better for the people around us. All right, Brianna, a, a advice for a wife in, in five years. And, and, and I, I'm glad that, that you did it the way I did. Cause I was about to come back to Matt and I said, wait a minute. Give me the advice for five years and give it, but it was real. What what you were coming from was real, so I, I let it go. And I was about to say, okay, let's do the five years and ten years, but but I don't. I want it to be real coming out of your mouth and and be real husband advice and be real wife advice. Yeah. So the whole five year and ten year thing. And by the way, I have way too many thoughts going through my head right now. So I'm going to try and make sense bring of it. On, but right? bring it on. <laughs> putting putting a timestamp on five year and ten year, um, I think is really unrealistic because where we think today our lives might be five or ten years from now honestly is so probably far-fetched my best advice to anyone whether it's you're approaching marriage approaching anything is to not have a plan like you can have a plan or an idea of how things are gonna go but if there's anything I've learned personally it's that what I thought was the best plan for me the big man upstairs had his own so (laughs) nothing has turned out the way I thought it was going to you know I thought I'd be married with my first kid by 25 and thank the lord that that didn't happen (laughs) um so all right I'll, I'll answer the five and ten year though so um by five years honestly just know when to fix it, when to leave it. And I'm going to perfectly, I'm, I'm going to stray away from the overused advice that everybody gives when it comes to marriage. How, what's your secret to being married 50 years? Never go to bed mad. Throw it out the window. <laughs> I'm serious because 
That's me personally, yeah. If yeah. you know, if there's a topic and it's ten, eleven o'clock by the time the kids go to bed and we're finally getting around to hashing it out, I'm sorry, but sometimes a good night of sleep <laughs> is the best thing for me. So let me be. And and coming back to a topic with a calm mind and a calm spirit and calm energy. you're going to be better off at the end of it to be able to actually solve something if there's truly something that needs to be solved than trying to hash it out when you're both in the heat of the moment. Nothing gets solved in that situation. So I'm throwing that one out the window. Um, All you people that have been married 50, 60, 70 years that say that to everybody, you need to stop (laughs) Um, (laughs) because it's different now. Um, So five years, you know, like I said, have, have an understanding when to fix it, when to leave it. Um, By 10 years, um, I'd say a good goal to have would just be to have a full, true understanding of your partner. What what gets them going mentally, um, you know, spiritually, everything? What what makes them happy? If they come home from work and they're having a bad day, you should know at that point what you can do or what you can say to either try and make it better or to be able to read them without them having to say anything that, you know, to know that, Hey, they just need to wind down and I'm just going to, I'm going to go make dinner and give them their space and, and let them be. Um, so 10 years have a true understanding of your partner, um, of different situations of what you maybe can or can't do to, to help something. Here's my five-year advice. And this is something that, that comes straight out of my heart. And it's been a, a big, passion of mine and it's something that I will give advice to any married couple in five years travel your butt off well that sounds way more fun than ours we were all serious no, on our stuff no and I'm no and I'm dead serious and I say this to say spend time with your spouse as much as you can for the first five years because if you're planning to have kids within that five to ten year mark that time is gone that time is very few and far between. Unless you have family that is right next door or within five miles, ten miles of you that can watch your kid for a date night that the three of us know is, is still very few and far between, spend your time with your spouse. And I mean be legitimate about it. Shut the I can TV- truly attest to that. Yeah. Shut the TV off. Put the phones away. Before you have kids in your first five years, spend as much time. Go out on weekends. Go to restaurants. Go to to shows. Travel your butt off. And, I, and when I say travel your butt off, I'm not I'm not talking about jump a plane and go to Aruba. To, Aruba. Okay, whatever. <laughs> you can pay for my plane tickets for that one. Um, I'm not talking about go to Cabo San Lucas or Ireland or whatever it is. Go to South Texas. Go to the the uh, the coastal beaches in Alabama and Georgia. See places in California. See places in New Mexico. Or go right here in the Metroplex. Go stay in Frisco for the weekend. Go see things that you haven't seen. Travel your butt off in those five years and spend time and be legitimate about doing it with your spouse. In 10 years, when those kids are around, be the best spouse that you can be. And I say this because this is so incredibly important to me. Just because you have kids, and I I don't know whether you two agree with me, and I'm just going to say it from my own perspective. When you have kids, put your spouse first regardless of your kids. Your spouse came first. They shouldn't become second when you have kids. That's just my own perspective. But in those 10 years, be the best husband and wife that you can be because being that will make you the best mother and father that you can be. I'll, something with what you just said, I, you know, you and Paula are like right on plane with each other as far as that's concerned. And that's something I've struggled with heavily. Um, you know, Maddie was with a, a previous marriage, so Maddie's been around for 10 years. Paula's been around for three to four, you know, so it's 
there's a lot of times where we don't agree with how something was handled or disciplinary action or, you know, standards need to be met, anything like that. There's times where we don't agree on that necessarily. And I, I am guilty of it. And she's probably going to listen to this and hold it to me later. But like, I, I do put, you know, blinders on and, and I do focus on Maddie. Um, it's something we're constantly working on and she is constantly, you know, screaming it at me. (laughs) And I just, I just refuse to believe it a lot of times because I have this, this internal need to, to, to fix Maddie, to, to make sure she's okay. And what she's dealing with, she has what she needs to handle it and, and things like that. Whereas, you know, I, I do agree with you. I think overall, I do agree in, but it, it is a struggle. I mean, you know, cause our dynamic, the way it kind of worked out, you know, Maddie's been around long, longer, you know, and, and she's dealing with a lot more. She's got a lot more stressors in her life even though you wouldn't know it talking to her, but, um, there's a lot more going on and, and it's easy for me to get in that mode of, you know, Maddie's first. And, and that is something that we do. We do. I, I, I said, I was about to say we struggle with, I struggle with. Um, and, and it's constantly something we're, we're working on together. On the other side of the break, we're going to take one last break, run a couple more ads, and we'll give some love to some neighborhood people. And we're going to talk about the neighborhood on the other side of this break. This is the Road to 1385 podcast on the Sutton Fields Radio Network. One thing I know about being a father of a little girl, our daughter loves bows in her hair. She loves to have a ponytail. Mom loves to put bows in her hair, especially if we're going out for a formal event or we're going to church on the weekends. And there's a place right here, somebody right here in Sutton Fields, that you can have those bows handmade professional. They just look amazing. Reach out to Jennifer Romero. The website is bloomieshandmade.com. B-L-O-O-M-I-E-S-H-A-N-D-M-A-D-E.com. Fill your order out. Get those bows for your daughter. Have an endless amount. And hey, when you run out and you want something different, you can order them again. No going to Target. No going to Walmart. No going to these other places. Support a local business right here. Jennifer Romero will do it for you. Bloomieshandmade.com. Get those bows in your daughter's hair today. How many times on the radio do you hear about weight loss, whether it's this company or that company promising one thing or another? What if I told you you can lose weight drinking coffee? That routine you go through every single morning of waking up in the morning, trying to wipe the sleep out of your eyes, needing that one cup of coffee, walking through the house like you're a zombie because you're looking for your coffee cup. What if that cup of coffee could help you lose weight? And what if you could do it with the help of someone local right here in Sutton Fields? I've got the person for you, Danielle Morton, dmskinnycoffee.com, d-m-s-k-i-n-n-y-c-o-f-f-e-e.com, or call 469-933-3481, dmskinnycoffee.com. Drink that coffee, lose weight. And she loves to change people's lives. One cup of coffee or cocoa at a time, 100% natural Tons of energy, curb appetite, and have stellar focus. Healthy, never tasted so good. Just one cup a day and less than $2 a day will change your life. Try it today. Get your six-day free sample. Get with Danielle. Try it. You'll love it. I promise you'll love it because I've tried it. DMSkinnyCoffee.com, 469-933-3481. Welcome back. Last segment, Road to 1385 podcast. Todd Kaufman, Brianna Smith, Matt Oyer alongside. What a great night this has been. I hope you guys come back and do this again. This has been a blast. I, I know, Matt, it's your first time, and Brianna, it's your first time, and I've had an absolute blast sitting in, 
and we can do this off here. We can sit and have a conversation all night long because this has been a lot of fun. I, I hope that I'll bring the coffee. <laughs> you can bring it for him. I'm not going to drink it. Uh, but I, I, I hope that everybody that's listening enjoys us. I hope you give us feedback on what we're talking about. Give us topics to cover the next time. We're not going to do this every day. We're not going to do this every week. It's been two months since I, I think it's been two or three months maybe since I did this, uh, the second episode, now into the third. So this isn't going to be an every week thing because we have schedules, we have jobs, we have kids, we have everyday life that gets in the way. So, but give us feedback. Let us know what you think of the show. Let us know what topics you want to cover, what's important to you that we talk about, what's important to your family, what's important to your friends. And and we'll definitely cover those topics because we want this to be real. We want this to be real opinions and and real life. But I want to get to the neighborhood because, you know, one of the things, and Brianna, you touched about it, uh, early on and it was the main reason that I moved here um, was for the school district we were in Paloma Creek South in Denton ISD and one of the things that was important to me and I told Carrie I said I want her to be in this school district I used to cover Prosper football for five years and I've seen that town just explode and I said Carrie if we ever and this was before our kids were born I said if we ever have kids this is where I want them to be this is where I want them to grow up and it wasn't just the school district. It was the people that I got to know, the neighborhood that was, and we're not, we're not in Prosper proper, but still the school district is exactly the kind of school district that I wanted my kids to grow up in. But what I didn't bargain for when we moved here is the people that would be here, that would step up for your family, that would be there to watch your kids, that would be there to just, the, a lot of these people aren't neighbors, they're friends. I mean, we're not, we can go outside. We have neighbors right here just uh, to the right of us, uh, Trace and, and Jessica Sheridan. They're incredible people. Their daughter, Marley, and they just got a new puppy. I, I mean, we go over there and our monitor still works for our kids, so we go next door and have... I'm not the only dinner. one that does that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're not. But I, I think it is so incredible to have the Friday night hangouts, the, the events that we've done, the back to school, the national night out, uh, the July 4th, I just don't think, Brianna, that I bargained for what we were moving into and how incredible this place would be. Yeah, no, and and truthfully, we didn't either. And one of the things that we really liked about moving from one neighborhood to the next is that we were able to start with a clean slate, right? So, you know, you asked earlier if it was okay to share that my husband was a, a a professional athlete, you know, before all of this. And, and we moved here thinking now's our chance to be personal, to keep Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff to ourselves. Nobody knows who we are. Nobody knows where we come from, what we do, what we did. Let's now's our chance to keep it within our walls. Right. But that was impossible when we moved in here. And the only reason I knew that is because he's friends with the godparents to our kids, Corey Proctor. That's right. Yeah, he did. He did tell me that, but and I don't say it was impossible for a bad reason. I say it was impossible because as we started to meet people, we wanted to get to know everybody in here. We wanted them to get to know us. And it was certainly not anything that we bargained for because, like I said, that was one of the things that we really liked was, of course, the school districts, but that we had that opportunity to start a clean slate and to really control what people knew about us. Um, and now we just don't care because – you know, everybody's been so great, um, and that sounds really corny and cliche, um, but it, it it truly has. The neighborhood's been great. The people have been great. Um, the support with from one person to the next has been great, and, and one of my favorite quotes um, just in life is, you're only as strong as the army you surround yourself with, and these are the group, thank you, and I, I will say oh, I, yes, I did actually write good. it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, it and it's it's true from the first word to the last. And these are the neighborhoods that you um, you lean on uh, at any point in life, and you hoped 
for, you know, never for any negative reason. You know, I've seen too many pe- families and, and people go through negative things. Um, you know, my husband and I used to do weekly visits to children's hospitals. That was, that was our thing. Our first date was to Seattle Children's Hospital. But, you know, so we've seen people go through things and the communities that are around them are the communities that we're building within this neighborhood. And, and like I said, heaven forbid, nobody ever goes through anything like that or anything even comparable. But, you know, if, if that's the case, this is the community that we're creating and establishing. And these are the people that we're going to be able to fall on in our times of need. Or even if we just want to celebrate something, you know, you talked about going back to school and, and just doing something as simple as a little cookout, you know, Monday we didn't have school. So we had a little play date at the park with any of the kids that were home, you know, with the moms that were home with the kids. And, and it was just so fun. And, and it's certainly not anything we thought we were getting in this neighborhood either, but, um, we did. And and now any house that sells in this neighborhood, they have to fill out an application. Um, and I joked about this when I first moved into this neighborhood. And I don't know if anyone remembers this, but I posted on our neighborhood Facebook group. I said, now accepting applications for my daughter's best friend. I and do remember that. Yes, I do remember And that. I was yeah. serious, okay? I was very serious. And I'm very serious in any of these other houses that sell in this neighborhood <laughs> because we can't let the integrity go away. Um, so applications for every single person that moves into this neighborhood and, from now on. And, and one of the things that's that's incredibly important to me and I again I won't speak for anybody else and I'm not going to put words in anybody else's mouth and if it's not important to other people that's fine but what I see so much in this neighborhood I want to keep together I want to make this and I, I'll stop short of calling it a family but I like the the community and I was watching uh, one of the guys I love listening to him talk a guy by the name of Inky Johnson he used to play at Tennessee and now he's a motivational speaker uh, lost the movement in his right arm in a just a freak accident while he was playing at Tennessee. And now he's a motivational speaker. And the funny part about that is he took a college course on public speaking and walked out his first day going, I'm never going to need that. Here he is, a motivational speaker. But one of the things he said as I was watching, he was talking about the Planet of the Apes and, and Caesar trying to get his guys to calm down. They wouldn't listen. And what he finally did was grabbed a piece of straw and snapped it. And... Then he grabbed other pieces that were together, and they wouldn't snap. And his point was, alone, it's breakable, but together, it's unbreakable and completely and incredibly strong. And that's what I want to see in this neighborhood. I want to keep this neighborhood as one because we're stronger together than we are apart. And and I think that's important for us. I think it's important for other marriages that we're around. I think it's important for our kids and and the kids that they grow up around. And that's my passion for the neighborhood. That's just me. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I've really noticed, and I'll hand the mic over after I say this, but one of the things that I've really noticed in this neighborhood just from meeting people, yeah, hey, welcome to the Brianna Smith Show. No, just kidding. Um, Is it's... A young family neighborhood, but more importantly than that, um, people in this neighborhood I've noticed are um, all of their families and friends are out of state. A lot of people are yeah. not actually from here. That's 100% so true. It's, it's almost forcing us to lean on each other. And you said you'll fall short of calling everybody family, but at the same time, honestly, become our families away from our families yeah. because most of us don't have everybody right down the road. Um, we we certainly don't. don't. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's, I think it's great. And to call a neighborhood, a family would be five gold stars, right? We talked about our childhoods and how great it was to be able to just go out in the cul-de-sac and play with your friends and go over to your, you know, your friends' houses and their parents are like your parents. And I mean, shoot, we have the opportunity to give that to our kids. So why not keep it going? Yeah. And I, you know, we talk about the events, but I think it's so incredibly important. And, and Matt, we touched on this earlier. 
about how we grew up and we were kicked out our front door and say, don't come back until I flash the lights at, at you for it's time for dinner. And that's kind of the, the feeling. I remember the first time that we played in that cul-de-sac and, and our kids went out there. I remember watching it going, this is exactly what I grew up. Well, I didn't exactly grow up with that because all my friends are 40 minutes away and I was, I grew up in the country in five and a half acres, but this is exactly the kind of dream you have for your kids to have other kids to play with, to go to school with, to grow up with. And we're not talking kindergarten through uh, eighth grade through high school, people they can go to homecoming with, people they they can go to college with eventually if they. But sometimes after they graduate from high school, everybody kind of goes like this, and that's just the world we live in, and that's that's how we were. That's how probably they are. They're going to lose some of those friendships. But for for twelve years or the thirteen years that they get to go through school, they get to do it right here with the kids that they play with every day. Yeah, it, you know that. It, it pains my heart to, to think that, you know, Maddie can't have the exact same childhood like, like we had, you know, um, you know, some of the stuff <laughs> that I got into when I was a kid, you know, I'm, I'm glad I'm still here. Kind of deal, you know? um, we could tell stories. Yeah. Tell I've got stories for days, but, um, you know, but the one thing we, we have tried to strive for is, you know, yeah, she's not going to have the same, same bringing up that we did, but like, there's things that we can make the same. There's, there's different aspects that we can bring, you know, uh, kicking her out the front door, go outside, go do something, you know, yeah. you know, get off the screen. Um, you know, our, our street isn't finished. We've, you know, we're about halfway, halfway there. So we haven't been able to find friends, you know, literally on our street yet, but, um, but that's going to come. I mean, I, I, you can see the amount of homes here that have kids versus not kids. You know, if you see something subtle that, you know, okay, there's a family there versus, you know, something yeah, else. And the great thing, Matt, is, is while we don't live across the street from the park like, like you guys do, we can still walk not even, what, I don't know, a third of a mile or something like that, mm-hmm. just down to the park. We don't have to, hey, we got to go to Frisco to meet up with a friend. Hey, we got to go to, to Little, let's go to this park. We can walk down here and everybody's going to be out, especially as we get towards, you know, maybe not so much in the winter months when it starts to get really cold, but then when it gets into the spring months, everybody's going to be out. Mm-hmm. And it, the great part about that that Facebook page, which I think is incredible, is you you talked about the, the play date that you guys had when, when school wasn't in, and to say, hey, we're going to go out to the park, the school's not in, or hey, we're going to do it on a Friday night, we're going to go hang out. And we're going to be a family. If we do want to call it that, that's what we're going to do because that's our support system. That's what we have. Absolutely. When you when you have a group like that, they kind of you know everybody coexists. Everybody benefits. I mean, yeah. Everybody from the the one year olds to to you know the the, the older people, the adults. Um, so that's a it's an awesome thing because you know majority of the time we you know we moved from frisco um my parents bought a house there in frisco in 99 there's a lot of people that are doing that a lot of people moving into this neighborhood it's a lot cheaper it's amazing it's a lot cheaper and hopefully we hit the same boom that they did (laughs) as far as home values but um yeah (laughs) that you know but that neighbor you know what but we still require applications no yeah Yeah. go ahead (laughs) you know 18 so years or whatever it was that, that that i was living there like I don't know if it was quite that long, but anyway, but I, I never knew a neighbor. I, you know, the house on the right, like switched a couple of times, a few people come and go, the house on the left was pretty much the same. I, I didn't know who they were. Yeah. Um, I knew my friends cause I knew them from school and I figured out where they were in the neighborhood and I got together with them, but I couldn't tell you who lived in front in front of us. I couldn't tell you who lived on either side. It's just, we didn't know that. So coming from Oklahoma and more of a rural area. Yeah. We knew everybody. Like I, you know, on the bike, I went between like three and four neighborhoods in a row, you know, 
gone all day kind of deal because we knew everybody, yeah. you know, but, but it wasn't like that where we were in Frisco and, you know, I'm not, I got here in sixth grade. So, I mean, it's not like I was, you know, this little kid just begging to, you know, I had, I had friends from school and stuff that I could go see, but, um, you know, Maddie's a lot younger getting started in a community like this. And I think it's going to be amazing to, to kind of, like you said, grow up with that same core group of people. Um, I know like whenever I was growing up, they, uh, my elementary school in, in Midwest city, Oklahoma started a new program with us. We were the first year to try it where the same kids stayed in my, my class all through, you know, I, we left and we left Oklahoma city right before fifth grade. Uh, but we were the same kids. Like, you know, we had a couple of new kids, but nobody went to another class. It, it wasn't mingled anything. And in fact, first through third grade, we had the same teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was cool to kind of grow up in, in some of those three or four of those kids. Like I still talk to today on a regular basis, you know, some, some of the closest friends I have. So for Maddie, for me to kind of, like I said, give her some aspect of our childhood, you know, if, if I can give her something like that, I think that'd be amazing. Yeah. There's, friendships that I still have growing up in Southern California that are 32 years old. You know, they're one of them is actually it, oddly enough, I went to high school in Fresno in the central Valley of California. And one of actually two of them, the, the brother and sister still live there. So every time I fly back to Fresno, um, I have to visit our office in Visalia just South of there. But when I stay in Fresno, I always make it a point. We always get together for dinner, hang out, it's a, it, we've been friends for 32 years. I've known them since I was five years old. And those are friends, friendships that you just don't hear of. But the great thing about that, I, I remember being at an event, and I, I'll mention his name, Alex Hargis, who is uh, running the uh, Capel Art Center that's still uh, under construction, about to be finished. But his two older girls, uh, Grace and Evie, they were standing at a barrier, and Hannah just thinks the world of them. And they they're kind of have that older sister kind of, not friendship yet, but she kind of, she loves being around them. She loves to look up to them. And I'm sure your daughter's going to be the same way as she grows up. But Hannah went to stand right next to Evie at that barrier. And I remember taking a picture and I said, this was the the friendships that I grew up with. This is exactly the way it looked when I was five years old. And that Hannah almost being five, here I am looking at the same kind of relationships that I grew up with. Yeah, those are the those are the friendships that I hang on to now, you know, being away from family and friends. Um, those are the relationships that you have for so many years that no matter how much time goes by between your last conversation or your last visit, you pick up like it was yesterday. Right. Yeah. Um, and those are the valuable ones. Those are the the ones that you want to hang on to. We talk about quality versus quantity. Um, and I've certainly found myself in a position, you know, of that in my life, you know, with where I am now. Um, it's not about how many people are at, you know, the. Friday night hangout or who comes over for football on Sunday. It's the people that you can let no matter how much time go by and pick up right where you left off. Those, those are the relationships that hopefully our kids are building in the environment that we're giving them. Yeah. And you know, not everybody is going to stay in the same neighborhood. There are people that have lives that are going to move on that have careers that move them somewhere else. And that's, that's a part of life. And you are just going to have to deal with that, the relationships that, that are going to move on. But I'll use Brianna as example, since she's sitting here, the, the dream for me, for my kids, and at least I'll use Hannah since she's our oldest is to get to a point, And I'm, I'm sorry, Brianna, if I'm putting you on the spot here, but to be seven, eight, nine years old, 10 years old, and you guys are still here. And for her to come home from school and go, Hey, I'm going to aunt Brianna's house. And I'm like, okay, knock yourself out, go have fun. You know, I'll see you later. 
those are the kind of relationships. And, and I'm, again, I'm sorry, Brianna, you're sitting here, so I'm using No, I example. may have been the perfect person to use for that example, honestly, because we've already started creating those types of relationships for our daughter. Um, you know, she she did just turn one. She's 13 months now. Um, can't believe it. But, uh, you know, our friends that we've even made from our old neighborhood – uh, we talk about accepting application in this neighborhood. So our our neighbors from our old neighborhood are now moving in here. One already has, and the other is. So um, you know they've even come to see it just from hangouts at our house and and the people that they've met um, you know around. But but anyways, so those are the relationships relationships that we've already established and um, put in front of our daughter and some of our friends here who we've known for you know only a couple of years are. Um, I'll, I'll throw a name out. She probably won't listen to this because I don't. I don't think she ever does anything other than run her household. <laughs> she's amazing. Um, but uh, Tammy, Tammy Travis, um, she's Aunt Tam for our daughter, you know. Um, and whether it's Mr. Brandon, Miss Amy, and I'm throwing out names here. So um, yeah. if you guys listen, sorry. Uh, you know, whether it's Mr. Brandon, Miss Tammy, um, Aunt Tammy, um, it, it doesn't matter. But those relationships and, and those types of situations, like you said, for your daughter to be able to create, um, to be able to come home from school and say, hey, um, do you mind if I go over to, you know, Aunt Tam's house and and you just send a text message or a phone call and say hey do you mind if Hannah comes over yeah. no 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 that's fine send her over all right cool front door's open yeah yeah <laughs> I've never left my I shouldn't say that I've never <laughs> left my front door unlocked more than I have since we moved into this neighborhood um but I don't know you you follow your gut on certain things right um but yeah <laughs> yeah I and I, I I think that's the blast about having a neighborhood like this and and to have those relationships. And, I, and I'm not saying that you're, I mean, we're going to have, you know, the, the information that we got sent for the, the welcome committee that I'm a part of, they're going to have, you know, 35, 40 new people moving in in quarter one. They're going to have another, uh, you know, I think it was 75, something like that in Q2. And they're expecting upwards 130 to 140 in Q3. So, you know, that's the expectation. But it doesn't mean that we have to have relationships with all 200, 300, 400 people. It's that, that, group that you have around your kids because it's not it's not necessarily who you trust your marriage with although it is important to have other marriages around you that build you up and not tear you down because you certainly don't want marriages around you that make you worse but you also want to have people around you that you trust your kids with that they can go to their house after school and come home drop their backpack mom I'm going to Aunt Tam's house okay knock yourself out just make sure your homework's done or you're home for dinner or whatever the case may be you have those people that you trust your kids with, and I think that's incredibly important. Yeah, we're going to be the core, the OGs of Sutton Fields. The OGs, <laughs> I love that. Um, but it, it, it happened today, actually, to be honest. Uh, myself um, and Paisley, my daughter, and um, our friend and, and their daughter, we were out at the park together, and our neighbor, Aunt Tam, to my daughter, who's just a friend, our neighbor from our last neighborhood, um, her son was getting home from school and getting off the bus, and he ran right in the door and had say, hey, Mom, Miss Bree's at the park. Can Will you text her and see if I can go down there? And you know, my phone goes off and, hey, Truman, saw you at the park. Do you mind if I send him out? And, you know, when you go back inside, just send him back home. No, that's perfectly fine. Send him out. Come yeah. come out and play. Um, so, yeah, I mean, perfect example. It happened today. <laughs> yeah. Matt, is that, are those relationships that you guys are starting to build for for your daughter? And, and what is that conversation like at, at your house? Um, yeah, you know, we've, we haven't met a whole lot of kids here in the neighborhood. Um, other than I think there's a few kids that, uh, that she's actually, actually in her grade at Winsong. Um, but we, we've, we have been lucky to, to meet some people in her class at Winsong. Um, in fact, we had a, we had a pretty big moment, I guess, big moment for Maddie, but probably even bigger moment for me. Um, and, and you know, when I told Paul about it, she kind of looked at me sideways, <laughs> but, uh, Maddie's going to her first sleepover, um, in, uh, first November, uh, first weekend of November. Don't cry. <laughs> um, but 
you know, I I never had to do this, but this is the first like sleepover since her diagnosis, mm-hmm. and and having to ask another parent if that's okay, like that's a big deal. Yeah, it is. Like I. <laughs> I wrote a text message out. I, I I reread it a couple times. You know, I was like, uh, "Do I send it? Do I send it? Okay, I can't go back now." You know, and 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 the 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 mom was amazing. Like she was totally awesome. She had no experience with diabetes, but you know, she was like, "You know, let just come a little early. We can talk about some things, and you know, and I'll get her set up with everything she needs." But uh, being able to, to, it's a different ball game. Like whenever you have to, like you know. Okay, there's a whole nother step we got to take here, because if somebody is watching over Maddie, that's you know that's a, that's a lot to ask of somebody, you know, especially if they don't have experience with that, you know. And it's not just diabetes; there's tons of things that kids deal with that you know sometimes take a little extra care and attention. Um, so we're we're excited to to start building some of those relationships here in the neighborhood. Um, like I said, there's 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 a few houses with kids on our on our street, um, but, but we we're, we're still waiting on get everything getting filled up. So. Uh, we're we're still uh, just on the outside cusp of like the the houses that are primarily built. Like we're still looking at empty lots out in front of us. So, uh, but that's going up quicker than I ever thought possible. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. But I think that's any neighborhood. You look at Prosper. You look at Frisco. You look at here. You know the the five years that I covered Prosper High School football and to see the town go from this small little community to doing this, and then to see Salina start here and start to do this, and and you know. A, I've made a, a really good friend with Salina PD and, and, you know, Chase Gadara, who's, who's becoming, he's stopped by the house a couple of times. The kids love him. Hannah goes running straight to him when she sees him. And, um, but just to hear the, 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 the problems that they're dealing with having to try to hire because the town's growing bigger than they can handle. Um, you know, we're dealing with the, the issue of, you know, our, our mailing address is, is this, but our actual address is this, and we're paying this in taxes. Da, 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 da. And it's just, it's it's one of those ha- those things you can't handle the growth. But I, I think outside of that, to have people in the neighborhood at the beginning, I think, has been so incredibly, um, so incredibly cool to have those relationships, to have the people that we know that got in at the beginning and those are the relationships that are going to grow, and I and I and I hope for for all three of our sakes that those are the relationships that will continue, you know, long into the future. Absolutely. I mean, you know what they? I think when we moved in, they they estimated like twenty three hundred homes yeah. in, in our seven eight phases or whatever we have. That's a small town. I mean, that's like six six and a half thousand people. You know, whenever you, you assume three house, three peers in a house. You know that's a small town. Um, so th- yeah, you're right. There's there's no way we're gonna be able to know everybody like like a, a first cousin. But um, each phase, each phase, you know, the, like the originals. Um, like, and I I guess I somewhat consider myself original, even though I'm on the, the end of phase one. But like, you know, the people around us are the ones that we're gonna be the closest to. Um, and then you know, since we're gonna have six thousand people with apparently one pool you know you're gonna go to the pool a lot and not it's know gonna anybody. be more than one pool don't <laughs> even get me started on that conversation yeah but it, no it's 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 cool to see how it developed and, and one and fire pit apparently too i'm just sorry <laughs> right yeah i'm not gonna get into the, the the all the crap that we've gone through in the first <laughs> couple of months and almost burning down the 
the pool area and then blowing up the the fire pit. So yeah, yeah it's, I still have a burn on my stomach, by the way, from the fire pit. Yeah, I know. My daughter, we have the burns on the blanket that Hannah had over her. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's pretty laughable. I mean, you know, I know the guys in my office get a kick of what what happened in our neighborhood last, you know, recently. Hey, What's going on now? Hey, it's not a party <laughs> until we get the fire department to show up. I mean, yeah, that's that's how we roll. With Salina PD, which yeah, we are in with Salina Fire Department. Yeah, we are. These guys are eating s'mores with us, and then. Say, don't make us come back, ha, 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 30 minutes later. Yeah, and yeah. speaking of, like, you know, Brianna, I, I promise we're going to stop by and get some coffee soon. We've talked about it several times. <laughs> but I, I straight up went into the office the other day and was bragging about you. I was like, guess what my neighborhood has? <laughs> you know, and people we were like, on barista, baby. Yeah, like, That's what's up. Of that, you know. We're gonna we're just gonna start forming lines behind you know in front of her in house. In front of her house. Everybody like a drive knocking through. on her door at six AM. <laughs> She's gonna have to hire somebody to stand out the end of the driveway. There, just yeah, out there's, orders. there's yeah. <laughs> there, there might be a, there might be a zombie apocalypse. No, there's gonna be a coffee apocalypse in this neighborhood, baby. You joke about it, but a couple of times I have walked out my front door to literally like a line of people picking up their drinks, which is fantastic. Um and even I talked about the little boy next door, you know, even he said, What what's going on at Miss Bree's house? <laughs> it's six you know, six 36 45 yeah. in the morning i'm going on the bus to go to school and miss Bree's got a line of cars at her door hey i can come by your house as long as you got a dr pepper to hand me i'm good i roll like that i'll get some yeah, i got root beer right. uh, it doesn't have caffeine that ain't gonna work for me <laughs> i gotta get up at 5 30 in the morning and get two kids ready for school so uh but i i brianna and matt i appreciate you guys doing this and, and this has been a blast and, and we could go another two hours and have a blast doing this but we we've got jobs and barista coffee to do in the morning so we're going to sign off i appreciate everybody listening here in sutton fields and beyond this has been an absolute blast uh we'll continue to do this whether it's going to be next month or, the, or two months from now three months from now whatever it's going to be uh brianna thank you matt thank you thank you guys you. have been incredible this has been an absolute blast for todd coffin for brianna smith for matt oyer have a great night everybody have a great week great month whatever it is and we look forward to doing this very very soon. This is the Road to 1385 podcast on the Sutton Fields Radio Network.